Work on purpose, spoken by Pastor Peter on. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the purpose of work. Have you ever thought about what the purpose of work is? I think a lot of us have thought about that. I think our parents have in some ways sort of given us sort of this understanding of what the purpose of work should be. For a lot of us, it might be maybe picking up a paycheck, right? We got to pay the bills, so you got to pick up a paycheck. For some of us, you're working for a specific title. And you feel like the purpose of work is to get promoted and to be very successful one day. I don't blame you if that's sort of how you've internalized it, right? And so for some of you, you find that the purpose of work should be about just your joy, sort of self-fulfillment. If that's how you've thought about work, I want you to know something. You actually have the wrong understanding of work. Your job is not supposed to be something that's supposed to serve you. We're going to learn about that. I want to go deeper and talk about what really is the purpose of my job. What is the purpose of my work? I'm going to do a poll here. How many of you here, just raise your hand. And those online, make sure you raise your hand with your emojis, all right? How many of you actually really enjoy your job? Let me see your hands. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. 10, 15% maybe of us in our church that really enjoy our jobs. That's fantastic. Uh, it's not that great because I wish the numbers could be higher. I think perhaps maybe the reason why the numbers are so low is because we don't have a real good understanding of what the purpose of work really is. Work is a major component to our life, isn't it? It shapes oftentimes how we see the world, how we see our culture. And so work plays such a major component of our life. But I think for a lot of us, what we've done over the years is that we've really considered work to be something that's secular rather than sacred. All right, when you go to work tomorrow morning, the majority of you, or you go to school, uh, and by the way, can I just say this? If you are a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, that is one of the most important works that you can participate in. Can I get an amen to that? That is a very important work that you are committing yourself to, all right? But if you go to work tomorrow morning, um, our hope and our prayer is that you will go in there embracing the purpose that God want, want, wants you to have as you go. Because if it's just for yourself, if it's just for you to thrive, that's pretty sad. And we don't want your jobs. Your job was never meant to be secular. It was always meant to be sacred. Because the word vocation in the Latin means vocare. And that word translated in the Latin means to call. So today, if you'll let God, he wants to call you to your vocare. That you wouldn't go into your jobs tomorrow and see that this is sort of a secular thing that you're participating in. No, but it's sacred. Because God is calling you and I to our Vocare. I love the Lutheran tradition because the Lutheran tradition, they believe that going to work, that when you go into your jobs tomorrow morning, you are literally the fingers of God. That you are an extension of God's love to other people. That when you go to work, the Lutherans believe that you're actually able to love on other people. That was one of the reasons why they went to work. That's really beautiful when you think about it. That work shouldn't just be about you going in there and so that it should fulfill you or, so that, or that you might need to prove yourself of some sort. Because if that is the reason why you go to work, then I don't, I don't doubt that slowly your job is killing your soul. 
because that's what it'll often do when we see work in that way. I still remember when I was a senior in college, I was a marketing major and I ended up getting an internship at NBC News. I mean, excellent job, like just an excellent internship. I started going to 30 Rockefeller Center one to two times a week and I just couldn't believe, I was like a kid in the candy store, meeting famous people and seeing them and getting a chance to see the behind the scenes stuff. It was so much fun. I remember once we, uh, we uh, in 96, it was when NBC hosted the Super Bowl. And I remember just working there and I actually got a chance to work on the commercial for Dateline that aired on the Super Bowl. Man, when we watched that at college, man, I told all of my friends, yo, I worked on that. See that footage that aired one second? That's my footage that I picked, you know? The pride that I had. In 96, NBC News partnered with Microsoft and they launched a network called MSNBC on July 15th of 1996. So just because I was interning at NBC and I was working at this on-air promotions department, which is the department that makes commercials for the network, my boss was in charge of hiring the entire department for MSNBC. And so I applied for this position, for a production assistant position, along with several hundred other people. But because I was already working there and he already kind of saw me eventually, to make a long story short, he gave me the position as a production assistant and I was so happy. It was like euphoric for me to go into work. I was excited, but I went to, the, I went to work literally on the first day. My goal wasn't just to stay a production assistant. Because of my ambition, my goal was to one day become a producer. That was my goal. I felt that if I became a producer, wow, my job would be even more fun. And I'm telling you, once I had these goals, I'm not saying that they were bad necessarily, but it became my idol. My job slowly destroyed my soul. I no longer loved it anymore. It no longer became a privilege to be able to do something like this. I hated my job. And when work becomes self-fulfilling in that way, when you see your job as a place where you can find your hope, your joy, and your fulfillment, then it becomes a terrible, terrible master to you. The purpose of why you go to work, you have it all wrong. So what's the purpose of work? So if you have your phones, take it out. It's the only time I'm going to encourage you to take out your phones because none of you bring pen and a pencil. All right? Write this down. Here's the purpose of work. Right? The purpose of work is this, to create a culture that honors God and enables people to thrive. That is the purpose of work. Did you get that? The purpose of work is to honor God and enable other people, not yourselves, to thrive. That is the purpose of work, right? Now we're gonna unpack that because this is not about what you're gonna do necessarily so that you can embrace it. It's really about you embracing a theological foundation of how God sees work. That's what I wanna do today. I wanna talk about three key theological points that God wants you and I to grab so that when you go to work tomorrow, you're gonna go with the mindset of, God, I'm going to honor you and I'm gonna let other people thrive, not me. That my primary mission here is for other people to thrive and not myself. And that's what I wanna talk about today. How does work honor God and allow other people to thrive? How do we do that? That's what I wanna talk about today. So before we do that, can we bow our heads for a moment of prayer? So God, I know that there's some people in this room and they absolutely hate their jobs. They hate it. The thought of going into work tomorrow is, is horrible for them. And so God, I pray for everyone, for those who hate their jobs, for those, God, who may not hate their jobs, for those who love their jobs. Help us, Lord, to understand what the purpose of work is. Help us to truly embrace it and I pray, God, that as we go to work, that we would truly be able to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission simultaneously. 
And so God, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts in this room, God, I pray that it would indeed be pleasing unto you. And it's in your beautiful name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. The purpose of work, again, is to create a culture that honors God and enable other people to thrive. How does, how does work do that? How does work honor God and allow other people to thrive? When you think about that definition of the purpose of work, it really affirms the great commandment and the great commission at the same time. All right? The great commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. When you and I honor God, we are loving on him. When you want other people to thrive more than yourself at work, then you are truly loving your neighbor as yourself, right? And so you're fulfilling the great commandment. And when you can go to work that way, do you know how atypical you are to the people that are in your company? You're literally preaching the gospel to them by your actions more than just your words. You're fulfilling the great commission and the great commandment. And so work, when you go into work tomorrow, go with this understanding that regardless of what, you're, you're, none of your circumstances need to necessarily change for you to actually love your job. It doesn't. And I know for some of you right now, you're in a place where perhaps you're thinking about a vocational change. I'm not saying that you don't need to do a vocational change. You might need to maybe get together with some people who know you well and maybe have them speak some truth into your life and process it with them. Don't just change your vocation right away because you're not happy there. Because regardless of your circumstances, is changing, I think for a lot of us, we don't go to work with this purpose. We go to work so that we can get promoted. We go to work because we want to pick up a paycheck. We go to work because we feel like it needs to fulfill us or maybe stroke our egos because a lot of us are so insecure. We want to find some sense of affirmation at work. The purpose of why you and I go to work is to honor God and to let other people to thrive. How can we do that? It's about you embracing the theology of work, all right? It's more about an understanding, creating a theological foundation that is all about work. And so how do we do that? The first theological point to work is this. Working affirms our being created in the image of God. When you go to work tomorrow morning, I want you to know something. You are affirming being created in the very image of God. When you read Genesis 1 and 2, from the very first words of Genesis 1, what does God do? He actually works. God is working from the very moment of Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2. He's working hard. He's working to take the dust and he's creating us in his image and he's putting a spirit inside of us. He's creating the oceans. He's creating land. He's creating all sorts of animals that are just teeming with life. God is about work. And I want you to know something, that when you and I go to work, we are affirming the image that we've been created in his image. Can I get an amen to that truth? When you go to work tomorrow, I want you to know something, that when you are going into work, you are affirming being created in the image of God. Amen? You are. Because God has work, worked. The very first thing he did when he created, he worked. God doesn't think that work didn't come into, the, into our world just because of evil. No, work happened before the fall. What that means is this. When you and I go to heaven, guess what? We're all going to work. We're going to have jobs in heaven because it's such a part of who God is. You see, after God created the whole world, what else did he do? What else did God do after he created the world? He started to care for the world in Genesis 2. And theologians call that God's providence. You guys know anything about God's providence? God not only created us, but he continues to work by providing for you and for me. And God loves, loves it. He finds so much joy in his work. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 31. And we'll look at from chapters 2 to 1. 
Just two verses. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Everything that God made, he took a step back and he said it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. God created the world. He completed creating the world. He took a step back and he said, it is so good. And then in Genesis 2, he starts to take care of us and he starts to provide for his people. And I want you to know that because God is always about work and God works, he wants you and I to know that when we go to work, we affirm being created in the very image of God. That's going to change how you go to work tomorrow. Because I know so, some of us here today, you really hate your jobs. And I'm not saying you don't need necessarily a career change, but what you need is a real theological transformation right now. You need to realize that the reason why you're going to work is because you're going there to honor God and help other people to thrive. And when you do that, you're believing that you've been created in the image of God. You are affirming that, and that's a beautiful thing. And so all work affirms us being created in the image of God. My son, Christian, um, there are some things where he really takes after me, and there are some things where he doesn't. But from the moment when he was a little kid, that little boy would get up early in the morning, put on his clothes. He actually would make his bed, wash up, brush his teeth, and he'll go downstairs ready for his breakfast. We never had to wake him up. My daughters, particularly Kayla, we literally had to drag him out of bed for them to get up. Right? That's me. I get up early in the morning. It's just kind of my natural rhythm. Right? Now he's 16 years old and he still gets up early in the morning, but he's stopped making his bed really wish you could start doing that again. But every time he wakes up that early in the morning, I always say to myself, man, that's, that's my boy. He's just like his dad. I want you to know tomorrow when you go to work, God is going to look down on you from heaven. He's going to say, that's my boy. That's my girl. They take after me. They're going to work. They take after me. God created you in his image. And part of that is that God works and when you go to work tomorrow, you are affirming being created in the very image of God. This is what Jesus says in John 5, 17. He not only says God works, but he says I work too. Look what it says in seven, verse 17. My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Work is so foundational to our makeup of why God created us in the, very, in, in the first place. And that's why the purpose of work is to honor God and to allow other people to thrive. You can do that when you know that the reason why you're going into work tomorrow is to affirm that you've been created in the image of God. That's the first theological foundation that you need to embrace about work. Second one is this, work makes us fully human. Work makes us fully human. Look at Genesis chapter two, verses one through three. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This passage does not say that you should work one day and rest six days. Nor does it say that you have to have a healthy balance between work and rest. No, it's quite the opposite. God is saying you got to work a lot more than you rest. And so what does that mean? What do we learn from that from the Bible? That according to the Bible, we don't merely need money from work to survive. We need the work itself to survive and live fully as human beings. This is, hear me on this. That, that means that when you are not working, when you are choosing not to, now I know that there are times when, you know, there's unemployment and stuff like that. Get all of that. But when you are choosing not to work because you just don't want to, you're not living fully human lives. 
you are not living full human lives. So much of our humanity is affirmed when we actually go to work. We honor God. We, make, we allow other people to thrive. How are we going to live out the great commandment and the great commission if we're not going to go to work? Because we do that every day, five to six days a week. We do that. It's an opportunity for us to love and to care and thrive, let other people at our jobs to thrive. I want you to really think about this because I don't think a lot of us go into work thinking about, well, how can I let the other person thrive? Maybe some of you have had the unfortunate experience where maybe you have helped some people in the past and they've been hired and then all of a sudden they sort of get promoted before you. Has that ever happened to you? That happened to me at NBC. I mean, when I was working at MSNBC, we, there was three of us that started as a production assistant. One of them got promoted way before me. And I remember just getting so angry, upset. She was no longer my coworker. She was my enemy. And there was a time, because now she's a producer. She was like, hey, Peter, I need some footage. I'm like, what? You want me to research for you? No way. Have you ever had those kinds of experiences? You see, my mindset was so off back then. Because I felt that the only way I can have true happiness is if I get promoted and have a certain title because then I feel like I get more respect, I'll definitely get more money, and it'll make me feel better. Now, I'm not saying that maybe those things may not happen, but if that's the primary reason why you're working, your souls will slowly die. And so if you want to have life at work, it's about asking yourself, how can I help other people to thrive? I feel bad for you if you're 20 or 30 years old. <laughs> no offense. But you guys are dealing with your egos right now. 30, 20s and 30s is all about your ego. So it's so hard to think about how can I help other people to thrive because you're always thinking about I want to be the one to thrive. I love 40s, man. This is a great decade. Because my 20s and 30s were an utter mess because <laughs> of my ego. But when you're 40, it's not as important anymore. And actually, as you get older, I can't wait for my 50s because as you get older, you start to think about legacy. You start thinking about how can I help other people to thrive? How can I help other people to be better than me so that I can leave a legacy? If you're healthy, you start to think about those things. If you're not, you just keep thinking about how can you thrive, right? But start thinking about how can you let other people thrive at work? When I was working at NBC, towards the end, I started this prayer group. And we would get together with other coworkers who I found out to be Christians. And we just would get together every week, pray together, support each other, and then think, talk about how can we help each other and serve one another throughout the week. And it was really a great thing that we were able to kind of do on a weekly basis and support each other, particularly those who were really struggling throughout the week. And all sorts of things started coming out. People started sharing about their lives. And other people started hearing about it. And they started coming and wanting to be a part of the prayer group. And it just started started out with just me and this one gal, and then it just kind of grew slowly by slowly as other people start to find out about it. But we got to ask ourselves, how can we let other people thrive at my jobs, at the job that I do? So I want you to think about maybe a junior person who just started out. Would you think about maybe preparing them and helping them to thrive? Boy, do you honor God when you do that. You fulfill the great commandment and the great commission. You live out this purpose of honoring God and wanting other people to thrive. It's a beautiful thing that you can do. The other important thing about work is this, it helps you to learn more about yourself. That's why it makes you more fully human. 
Because work, you'll begin to realize how God has wired you, how he's sort of created you. You'll start to discover your talents and your gifts and your abilities, and you'll be able to learn a lot more about yourself through that. And that's when, like, about year three or so, I started to realize, I don't think this is for me. Not because I'm not, I feel like I'm not getting promoted, because I did get promoted. And then once I got promoted, I want to get promoted again. It's really, it's like a vicious cycle. But I just felt like, you know what, I don't know if this is really my gift. I don't know if this is really how I'm wired. And so then that's the journey when I started to think and I started to sense that God was calling me into ministry. And eventually I made a major career shift from working in television to going into ministry in that way. And so that's, that's the great thing about work. You get to learn so much about yourself. You begin to discover, hey, I'm actually really good at this and this is actually fun. Or you know what, I'm definitely not that good at that. And one of the best ways in how you learn about yourself is actually at work. And so it's important. Work makes you and I fully, fully human. But also know this. You are designed to rest. You can't just work all the time. You have to have a Sabbath. Take a day where you don't even turn on your phones, don't do emails. Some of you are like, well, I don't go into the office Saturday and Sunday. That don't matter. Everyone's working from home now. A lot of you still work Saturday and Sundays. You still respond to emails. You got to take a full day of rest from any of that. Work is that important to your humanity. You know, last Sunday, Pastor David Hosang talked about that how he and Betty will leave our church at probably like beginning of September. And we have a lot of time. So it's sad to think about them leaving. But at the same time, uh, knowing that uh, we still have like seven months with them, eight months with them, that's still really great. So please make sure you connect with them. Uh, but, you know, a lot, of, a lot of you are thinking that they're making that move back to California uh, so that David could retire. He's 72 years old. You're thinking, well, he's going to retire. If you talk to that guy, he will tell you, Peter, there is no retirement in the Bible. I'm not going to California to retire. This is what he says. I love this. You guys got to talk to him. Uh, he says this. He says, Peter, I still have the same boss. I'm going to have the same boss to the day I die. And that's God. My roles will change over time, but my boss never changes. So I will never retire as long as I'm healthy. Isn't that great? You know, um, I didn't do this in the first service, and he's probably not even in here, but do you know how rare it is to have a pastor last as long as David has? We're going down like flies. 40% of us are quitting or getting fired. 40% of pastors in this country. It's so rare to find somebody who's been in ministry for decades upon decades upon decades where his character and his integrity has truly followed him along and God has opened doors. He's never applied for a job in his life. God has always opened those doors for him. All right, I'm, not, I'm not here just to brag about him. I don't know why I'm sharing that with you, but I just want you to know that uh, stop thinking about retirement, man. Some of you are like 35 years old and you're just thinking about retirement. Why? God didn't call you to retire. That's sad. He's created you to work, to not only affirm your identity being created in his image, so that you can learn about yourself, so that you can be a good human being and learn to love others. So stop thinking about retirement because no matter what, you will always have the same boss. That never changes. Your role may change, but your boss will never, ever change. Work. How does work honor God and allow other people to thrive? And this is my last point here, last theological truth that you need to embrace. All work has dignity. Did you hear me on that? All work 
has dignity. So many of us, and part of this is because our parents have, we've grown up in a home when we're taught just this world, secularizing your job or secularizing work or vocation, there is a social totem pole where we give more dignity to like the doctors and the lawyers and the CEOs, people who are wealthy and more successful at work, may, maybe make a higher income than those who might be doing manual labor and not making much. Maybe those who might be working at a fast food restaurant or something like that. And we look and we find that there are some jobs that we feel like they have to have more dignity than other people. And that's why so many of us try to work for titles. And that's what I was doing when I was at NBC. And we get so miserable because we feel like there are some jobs that, have, that, that warrant more respect than others. But God doesn't see it that way. For God, all work has dignity. Every work has dignity. Amen? Amen. And don't ever look down on somebody because they may not have a job that might not be to your standards. Parents, if your kid says to you, mom and dad, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to be a teacher. That's an amazing occupation to pursue. I want to work in sanitary department. I want to do something else. Embrace it because all work has dignity. We're the only ones that God created where he's actually given us job to do. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 20 to 28. Genesis chapter 1, verses 20 to 28. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water. And every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas. Let the birds multiply on the earth. And an evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, cat, uh, each producing offsprings of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground and wild animals. And that, and that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals Livestock and small animals, each able to produce offsprings of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. To be like us, they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Human beings are the only ones who have a description, a job description when God created us. Plants and animals were just called to team and reproduce. But what were humans called to do? Reign, have dominion over the earth. What that means is that God has called you and I to work as caretakers of this earth. And so whatever work you are doing, you are called to be a caretaker. So all work then has dignity, especially, especially manual labor type of work. Because God was a manual laborer. What did he do in Genesis 1? He took some dirt and he made us, put a spirit inside of us. And then what was he in Genesis 2? Some of you are going to love this. He was a gardener. Look at Genesis 2.8. He was a gardener. And you think about how does God come to us in the New Testament? I mean, if you ask a Greek person back then, hey, you know, how should God come to us? They would say a philosopher, maybe a king. If you ask a Roman person in the first century, how should God come to us? They'll say probably a noble statesman. How does the Hebrew God come to us in the New Testament? As a carpenter. As a carpenter. God in the Old Testament is a gardener. And in the New Testament, he's a carpenter. What that means simply is this, all work has dignity. 
all work, whether you get paid or not, all work has dignity. And I don't want you to go and size people up based upon what they do because that's secularizing the workplace. I want you to affirm it. Now, listen, it's one thing if you see other people um, uh, doing these types of work, but how about if your kid comes to you and says, I want to do this, and it's not what you dreamed for them? Because sometimes as parents, right when our kid is born, we have hopes and dreams from them. What happens if our kid says, I don't want to do that. I want to be a hairstylist, mom. Some of you are like, what? You went to college? I paid for your tuition? Now you want to be a hairstylist? All work has dignity. And you have to believe that. And you have to embrace it. And knowing that every work that people participate in has tremendous dignity. The purpose of why you go to work tomorrow is to honor God and allow and enable other people to thrive. That doesn't happen unless you fully know that work is about you affirming that you've been creating the image of God and that you are fully human when you go to work and that all work has dignity. When you have that as your understanding of why you and I work, why other people work, it'll change how you see your jobs. And I don't think a lot of you need to actually change jobs or change your vocation. You just have to change your perspective on how you see work today. It's not for you. It's to honor God and to help other people to thrive. That's what work's about. My daughter, Christina, is a junior in college. She's at Rutgers, and she came here uh, for, uh, for the break. And uh, she wanted to work. She wanted to work, make some extra cash for school and things like that. And it was important. We like to have our kids working. I think that's really important. We try to encourage that. Kayla got a job a couple of months ago working at a pharmacy. She's making good money. As a high schooler, whoo, I was like, what? Making good money per hour. Christina, she decided to work at a restaurant. She got a job being a runner and a waitress. And you guys know that working in the restaurant business, uh, you don't get paid a lot of money per hour. I mean, my son was making fun of her, like, what? That's how much you're getting paid? You're making a fraction of what Kayla makes? It's a lot of work. They make money on tips, right? Like, it's all about how you tip them is what they're going to make at the end of the day, right? And that's how they make their cash. They're not going to make anything working at a restaurant per hour. It's all about tips. And so, and it's long hours, she goes to work at 10 o'clock and she comes home, 10 a.m. and she comes home at 11 p.m. That's a lot of hours. She's working all day on her feet and all that stuff. And so I'm starting to feel bad for her. I'm like, oh man, she's not gonna make that much money probably. Like I'm hoping she'll do well. Um, she's on her feet, her sister's making more money than her. She starts coming home from work and she's smiling and she said, hey, you know what? It wasn't so bad. It was actually pretty fun. There's these older Korean moms, we call them ajamas, and they're like taking really good care of me, you know, and stuff. And they're treating me really nice. And then she's like, I'm getting a chance to meet other college students and I'm getting to meet them. We're becoming friends. I'm like, oh, that's a great state of mind. One day, you know, Kayla started working during Christmas break. She worked at the pharmacy during Christmas break and uh, she worked eight hours and she made some serious money. Christina comes home that day from work and she laughs. She goes, hey, Kayla, you made more money than me today. Because of Omicron, a lot of people aren't going to restaurants anymore. So she started working at the worst time. And she, she only makes money based upon tips, right? She came into the room the other day and uh, a couple, about a week and a half ago and she goes, hey, Dad, look. Look at my apron. Showing it off. Look what they gave me. And she said, I get to keep this. I was like, all right, all right. 
Why do I share this with you? The reason why I share this with you is simply this. When you go to a restaurant, you better tip. All right? Yo, no 5%. She's telling me people tip 5%. You all better tip 20% or more. All right? Because my daughter could be working there. You're all so cheap. I'm hearing horror stories about tip, people tipping at restaurants. 5%. Come on now. Right? It's more than that. But she's 20 years old. She's so ahead of me. She knows the purpose of work so much more than I did at 20. So much more than I did even in my 20s and 30s. Because for her, she didn't get angry that her sister makes more money than her. She didn't go home and complain and like, why do I have to work this many hours and make this kind of money and Kayla makes that kind of money? I'm in college and she's in high school. That's messed up. She didn't compare herself to her sister. She just laughed about it and said, hey, you made more money than me today. She comes into my room and shows off her apron saying, they let me keep this. She has a lot of dignity in her job. And because of COVID this week, um, her, her boss called her and said, hey, you know, it's not that busy, so you don't have to come to work. And she said to me, she said, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I'm not working because I would rather have one of the moms work because I know they need the money because they got to support their family. And I need the money, but I don't need the money the way they need it. So I'm glad I'm not working so that they can work. That's what work's about. That when you can have that mindset, if, I'm telling you, you will approach your jobs completely different. That your job is to honor God and to let other people thrive tomorrow when you go into your company. Not for you to thrive, but for other people. Because when you do that, then you will experience what God experienced in Genesis 131. He would take a step back and God said, it's very good. You can joke about it even if somebody else makes more money than you, like my daughter did. Because you know that you've done what God has called you to do, to honor him and to let other people thrive. If you continue to work just so that you can pick up a paycheck, so that you can work for a title, it will slowly kill you. And the sad part is nobody in your jobs will ever get a chance to even experience God's presence through your life and my life. My hope and prayer is that one day we're going to all stand before God. And God's going to look at you and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been a great worker. That's my hope and prayer for you. Let's pray. Amen. Well, let's go to God. I think some of you have to repurpose yourself here for why you go to work. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be an institution that's just supposed to help you, to affirm you of who you are. I mean, it's great when you have that. But your job is to honor God and to help other people to thrive. That's the basic. And you're not going to get there unless you know that working affirms your identity and being created in the image of God. That when you go to work, it makes you fully human. And that you embrace that all work has dignity. Some of you are not working because you feel like there's some work that's beneath you. And that's wrong. You are negating how God has made you. All work has dignity. Don't look down on other jobs. All work has dignity. And so let's go to God.
I believe some of us in this room, you're not, you're not going to be able to embrace this purpose of what work is because you lack character at your jobs. You compromise your integrity. And you need to make that right before God today. You've got to ask him to forgive you. But then you've got to pledge and you've got to pray and maybe get some people to surround you to help you so that there is character and integrity when you go to work. Because you're not going to be able to honor God unless you have character and integrity. And certainly nobody's going to thrive under your leadership if you lack character and integrity. And so let's just go to God and let him do the work he needs to do in your heart. And I'm going to close this in prayer. All right, let's just go to him. God, it's so hard to think about our jobs as a place where we can honor you. Some of us need a real deep transformation in our hearts to believe that. That when we clock in tomorrow at work, that we have a potential eight hours of the day to honor you and to help other people to thrive. Not ourselves, but other people. And so, God, I pray that you'd be with us. I pray you would be with the mother, the father who stays home and cares for their beautiful children. That you will allow them to honor you through their parenting. Through them caring so that their child could thrive in you one day. I pray for those who are checking in and they might be working at a restaurant, waiting tables. That they would go there to honor you to know that they're serving their customers well and helping those at their jobs to thrive. I pray for those who have director, manager positions, executive positions. God, that you would help them to see that they go to work tomorrow to honor you and to help others thrive and not just themselves. So God, be with us as a community. Transform the way we see work. Call us to our vocare today. And may we approach our jobs very differently tomorrow. May we give you thanks because we have a job. May we give you thanks because you've called us to honor you at our jobs. And that you've called us to let other people thrive. So thank you, God, for this time. Pray you truly be with my brothers and sisters. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.